Hey everyone, Kyle hopping in for some quick campus news. On April 7th, SPU will be hosting online its third annual Giving Day, a 24-hour fundraising event to raise support for the SPU causes you love. You can make a difference on campus and beyond with your generosity. Every year, I make a gift on Giving Day so that current students can receive an excellent education while being supported in their faith, just like I was while I was a student. I'm committed to making a gift this year, and I hope that you'll consider joining me in giving. Visit givingday.spu.edu to learn more and explore all the ways you can impact SPU and our students. Hey everyone, my name is Jennifer Hunt. I'm the Assistant Director for Marketing and Communications in the SPU Office of Alumni, Parent, and Family Relations. I've been with SPU for four and a half years. I like listening to Taking the Next Step with Susan Okamoto Lane because Susan's experience as a first-gen student and the challenges she overcame to discover her vocation really left me in awe. She is a valuable member of our community and has created so many meaningful opportunities for a diverse population of students. Welcome to the SPU Voices podcast, where we tell personal stories with universal impact. I'm your host, Amanda Stubbert, and this is my producer, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. This episode, we sat down with Susan Okamoto-Lane, who has spent more than three decades helping students find their way here at SPU. Have you ever felt disconnected from the culture around you? Have you ever wanted to help make space for those who do? Then this is the episode for you. With more than 30 years experience at Seattle Pacific University, Susan is someone who has seen big changes. As the diversity of the student body grew, the need for every student, faculty, and staff member to increase in understanding of what it means to be reconciled to God and to one another grew as well. As we learn to make room for each other, we make room for God. Susan has been described as the iron fist in a velvet glove and as someone who builds things that last. Susan, thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome, Amanda. Let's start with a little bit about you. Can you tell us about your background and what it was like growing up? Yes. I grew up, I'm a city kid, so I grew up in Seattle between St. James Cathedral and Harborview Medical Center. And uh, my, my weekend adventures were walking to the Seattle Public Library down the hill and back up. Uh, my parents were in, incarcerated during World War II, and so I think part of my growing up was being a good student, all-American, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. It's when our family started going to a, a Christian church. Yeah, so grew up in, in, uh, in the middle of Seattle. So you have a very um, intrinsic idea of what it feels like to, to need to fit in, to try and, and, and push yourself into... A mold, right? There's there's a saying, a Japanese saying called the that is the nail that sticks up will be pounded down, and uh, that was I'm sure overtly uh, <laughs> said to us as well as you know, we we in, uh, intrinsically just knew that. And uh, so my one of the reasons I adopted my maiden name is my legal middle name Okamoto, is that my name given name was Susan Jean. Okamoto. And so no Japanese spoken in the home, um, first name, middle name, you know, American. 
I think that's part of the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and going to a Christian church is that, that our parents wanted us to be all-American. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're not the only um, ethnic background that felt the same way, right? right I think exactly. there's a lot of people listening to us that would say they had the same scenario going on right, in their right. home, and a lot of people can relate to right. that. Right, and that, that was really significant when I was working with students who were the first in their family to go to college and from immigrant backgrounds. There were just so many places where there were touch points where they couldn't even articulate why things were hard or or what felt awkward or the things that they weren't aware of. And I would, I would tell them a story about my growing up or my going through the educational system, and, and it would be um, a fun connecting point. They'd go, ah, you know, the light would go on. Can you give us an example for, for those of us who maybe are sitting at home shaking their heads saying, I know exactly what you mean, and just as many at home saying, I don't know from personal experience what that feels like. Could you give us a couple examples? Yes, about being a first-generation college student? Yes, but about those very specific moments where you don't completely understand how to fit into that situation, and probably no one in the situation Mm -hmm. knows that you don't know Mm -hmm. how to fit into Mm -hmm. the situation. Yes. I'll take it outside of the school setting and to after I graduated from college and and then did my went to uh, do my master's degree. I went to Lewis and Clark College, which is in Portland, Oregon. So you know, not across the country, three hour drive from Seattle. Um, and then after after graduate school, I got a job in Longview, Washington, closer to Seattle even, <laughs> two and a half hours from Seattle. And I and I taught there for four years. And my grandparents, particularly my grandfather, thought that that was such a an unusual, amazing thing. Like he just, every time I would come home and, and visit them and then say, I'm going back home, they would they would shake their head and they'd say, just like a man. And, you know. <laughs> to be so far from where right, your family is. Right, Wow. Right. So, you know, so when, um, when I, when I would, when I talk to students that are, you know, they, that jet setting around the world or across the country is just no big deal. Um, that what the norm is within your culture and that you're you're breaking that, you're stepping outside of that, and what a big deal it is, that's, that's one example. Um, I think another example was even choosing a major, and oh, man, this came up all the time. Good student in high school and then applied to go to college, and so then what do you think you're going to be? Pre-med. <laughs> doctor, lawyer, right? Right. Yeah. right. There are like five categories. Doctor, uh, maybe business person, accountant, teacher, um, lawyer, engineer. So I thought I would be pre-med. I knew the first quarter that that wasn't happening. I took, I took chemistry. And I had taken chemistry in high school, but so I took kind of the, if you took chemistry in high school, this is the class that you should take. And I didn't know what they were talking about, and I was so afraid that I was going to fail that class. I was in terror and um, so relieved that I got a C minus. That was probably just just, just millimeters passed. away from Dear a D. Dear Lord, let me yes. just pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, then I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to do after that. And um, I was walking around campus at the University of Washington, and I didn't know where to go, and 
uh, I happened to see that there was a campus ministries office across the street. And I, and I walked over there, and I just plopped into somebody's office, and I started to cry. Oh. And, um, and, and, then, and then found my way through finding another major. But I think that's, that's an example of, you know, that uh, what's, clear, what's clear when you're in high school into your family, and then what's clear when you hit an institution and college-level classes are completely different things. And finding the resources and finding your way is, is, a big, is a really big deal. And I think that in and of itself can be a cultural divide of you're supposed to find something that lights your own fire and gets you up in the morning versus you're supposed to find the highest paying job you can, mm-hmm. right? Right. That, that, that's what you're trying to get out of college. I was uh-huh. just talking to a student this last week who is constantly having a, a struggle with his own parents because they feel like you get in, you get out, you get a job, and he wants to get as much education as he can and is oh. looking into grad school, and, and it's a struggle. It's hard mm-hmm. enough to do those things in life with support, right. much less the actual um, negative coming, coming against that mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. So, well, bless you for, for working with these students all, you. all these years. But before we get into that, yes, I want to go back to you in high school because I have heard <laughs> a very fun story about you in high school and the Black Panthers. Yes, yes. Well, the way that Seattle schools drew their boundaries, um, my elementary was very, very diverse. My, my junior high was very diverse. And the way they drew the boundaries, I went to a high school that was not very ethnically diverse. Mm. And uh, so... I, I walked in there and, and having conversations with my classmates, I thought, oh, I need to bring racial justice. You know, I need to bring diversity into this setting. And one of my friends in junior high was his older brothers were part of the founding members of the Black Panther Party in Seattle. So I contacted, I contacted Michael Dixon and said, hey, you know, would your brothers be willing to come to Lincoln High School? Um, to, to an assembly, to, to a human relations assembly, because all I think most schools at that time would have human relations, which was their kind of attempt at diversity. So I invited the Black Panthers to come. And so they came, and there's Elmer and Aaron Dixon. And Aaron Dixon was, is, is just, he's just more of a rabble rouser. That's who he's been in his life. So they came, and they have the leather jackets and the, and the berets, mm-hmm. and they come walking across the stage. And Aaron Dixon goes to the mic- microphone, and he says, I usually don't talk to white people unless I'm paid. And you could hear this <gasps> in the audience. All the oxygen yeah. sucked right. out of the room. And I don't remember what else happened during that assembly. But, uh, yeah, after the assembly, some of my friends were saying to me, well, I wasn't prejudiced before that assembly, <laughs> but I am now. So oh, it, didn't, no. it didn't work out the way that I had the hoped. The way that you hoped. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Well, it was a it was a milestone. Yes, I'm sure. Right. In a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in my life, that things can fall apart, and you can still live through it. <laughs> right. Right. The charging in full speed is maybe not always the best way right. to go about things. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of more, I think something that's been more part of my life, charging in, not really knowing what to expect and getting it something on the ground and thinking, oh, I'll do this differently the next time. But at least you're moving forward. I think sometimes mm. the people that need everything planned out before you move 
miss out on a lot of life. Mm. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, let's talk about your your work that you've done here here at SPU for so many years. Mm-hmm. And what brought you, do you think, full circle from plopping down in that university ministries mm-hmm. chair, mm-hmm. completely lost, to being on the across the desk from that student? Huh. Uh, so my my career path was special education and working with hearing impaired young adults, kids, and then. Um, a job placement program with disabled people, and uh, I was volunteering with Indo-Chinese refugees, and I thought, I want to find a job that's part-time, that has benefits, so I could volunteer more with refugees. And I saw this position at Seattle Pacific University, working with business interns. And I think, I'm not sure when exactly this came to me, but I think my I came to realize that my life mission is helping people take the next step. Mm, I and, love that. Yeah, and that was evident, you know, with with disabled people, with new refugees, with young adults, and so seeing that that's so such a rich territory when you're working with college students, helping helping people take the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's um, that was my start at SPU, and then it morphed into different things. So that it was an internship coordinator for the School of Business, and then they consolidated the internship program, and I became the, the director of the, the internship program, and then they consolidated the Career Development Center, and so I became the director of the Career Development Center. And then in, uh, at, as the admissions, and you know this part, was, was working really hard to recruit more diverse students. Um, in 2007, the university decided to establish a separate department within student life called multi-ethnic programs. Since I was working at the university and there weren't a lot of, of uh, staff of color, they asked me if I would think about applying for that position. And I, my first reaction was no way. I thought, I'm happy with what I'm doing. And what, what I said to myself was, I don't want to be ticked off and burned out. Because hmm. um, the university was, you know, at, at, in lots of ways at beginning stages in knowing how to serve diverse students. And I would hear, I would hear the stories of students. And I haven't had this happen to me very many times in my life, but I felt like God spoke to me pretty directly and, um, and said, if you don't throw your hat in the ring, your world will shrink. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so well, I don't want that. Yeah, I don't want that. But, you know, thinking about what that experience was like, my world expanded in ways that I could never have imagined. And I know you have so many relation- relationships now. Um, so many of us have relationships that we've held on to mm-hmm. since college. But I think it's usually with a professor or a fellow student. And as a, a staff member, you, I think you have more solid, lifelong relationships mm. with former students than possibly anyone I know, at uh, least tied uh-huh. with, with anyone I know. Um, and I know so much of that is being with someone at those crossroads moments, yes. helping someone take that next step, because that cements a relationship that lasts forever. Right. So I hope you look back and are, are very, very happy with the choice that you I, that I you am. Made. I'm very happy with that, yes. When a student comes to your office and plops down, Mm-hmm. And is at the end of a rope. Mm-hmm. What is that first step that you take them through? I, I think 
letting them know they're not alone, that uh, there are there are other students that have struggled with this, that I have struggled with this, and that there's meaning to it. That mm. um, I think putting into words some of the things I think they might be facing or that are going on, family pressures, um, things their classmates or people in the residence halls might be saying to them, uh, interactions with professors that are confusing or frustrating, that they know that, that those are that's part of the landscape. It's not, they're not the only one. And that there are people who graduated and are in successful, really happy careers now that were in the same place when they were students. So I think that that long arc of where they are, not to sugarcoat it at all, but to um, let them know that, yeah, this this sucks, this feels awful, and um, and your parents likely don't understand this, and there's their 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 hopes you're carrying their hopes and dreams and that's heavy I love that you're carrying their hopes and dreams mm -hmm. which is a heavy thing to carry mm -hmm. and I think one could say that of almost all college students when they're when they're kind of butting heads with their parents and between their own dreams and the dreams their their parents have for them to remember that uh, that that's a heavy thing to carry on both sides mm -hmm. yeah right well Susan um, I will end with the question I like to end with every time, and I'm very interested in your answer on this one. If we could ask, knowing what you know now, if we could ask everyone in Seattle to wake up tomorrow and do one small thing differently that would make this place a better place, what would you have them do? I think it would be to make an intentional choice to get to know someone who's who's really different than you, whether it's like a different ethnicity, different um, cultural background, different social place, elderly, and and get to know them, be, be friends with them. Um, and that takes some time and there, it takes some risk. But we, I think we are at a place where we avoid and that can, we, that can lead to easily demonizing people who are different or stereotyping them in ways that are, are not true. So to be surprised and to be caught off guard is, is a good thing. I like that answer. <laughs> I knew I would, but I really like that answer. All right, Susan, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And thank you for all the work you've done and continue to do. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you.